0: Back for another episode. Episode two of Zoom, episode two of actually three of COVID 19. Yeah, three of COVID
1: 19. 19. You're
0: right. (laughs) And I don't know what episode this is of season three, but
1: I think it's episode five. I could be wrong. For some reason, I've lost count. I
0: feel like it is. I'm back in a different room. I have more light now, which is good. I ended up getting a haircut. I don't know your room has light. My room has no light. It does not face the sun at all. It's disrespectful. <laughs> I little haircut. My barber just trying decided to act right. And give me a little, little lineup. I know I'm gonna need. I'm not gonna get one again until this is done, unless something comes up where like I desperately need a haircut. I yeah. can't see myself getting it until this is over. I just can't see it.
1: But you feel fresher now that you have a haircut, don't you?
0: I do. I feel like I yeah. recognize what I look like again. Jesus. <laughs> okay. Okay, so
1: actually, can I start? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so as as you know, and as most people know, I'm super into social media, right? Like I, I enjoy that shit. Um, but not to the level where I think that it defines my life. So with everything that has been going on with Black Lives Matter and the movement, it has been so can you hear me
0: i can hear you my headphones just aren't connected but hold on i'm gonna figure that out keep talking
1: okay so with everything that's been going on and in black lives matter black lives matter movement as well as the fact of like companies getting called out for everything they've done that has been discriminatory and just having no black staff no one who is either an executive or black staff is being treated completely unfairly so there was there's a couple of things that have happened so far. So the first company that had a lot of call-outs that happened is a company called Reformation. And they became really, really popular because they're sustainable. And the funny thing is, is that their business model is based off of the idea of not only sustainability, but like equality and being a part of the community and all these other things. But the amazing part is, is that Black staff and people who like work at store level, as well as at a level of working in the office, stipulated that they had felt as if that the owner of reformation her name is like yale something felt as if that she um didn't like to talk to them because they were black didn't want to interact with them and a statement that reformation released on their instagram she fully admitted pretty much that that's exactly what happened and that she didn't pay yeah i know right she pretty much admitted hold on, she, that. Hold on, what company is it reformation is, it? is a thing, reformation they are a clothing company that is sustainable and ethical and I was saying that their basis of their business model is- real are close people.
0: to reparations, but okay, go on. I'm listening.
1: <laughs> so I actually wanted to read the statement because I wanted people to understand what I'm talking about. So she titled, I'm reading off my phone. So she titled, she titled the statement, I failed. Our mission is to bring sustainability to everyone. A part of sustainability is treating people equally i realize that i have failed all of you in that regard especially the black community i'm sorry unfortunately the way we have practiced diversity in the past has been through a white gaze that falls too close to ignorance after asking and listening to our team members especially those who identify as BIPOC, i see that now i am so angry at myself for not seeing it sooner as a company, we have not leveraged our platform, our voice and our content to combat the racism and injustice that pervade that pervades our country and that will change starting now. I was not a very good leader when it came to our team, which is why I stepped back 2 years ago. When a former team when former team members make accusations that I ignored them in the past, I know that this is true. I am so sad and regretful for it. This is inexcusable in itself, but when I hear Black colleagues who felt that I avoided them because of the color of their skin, I burn inside thinking about the sadness I inflicted. Please know that, that for me, this was not about the color of your skin. It's about my shortcomings as a person. The new leaders at Reformation are smart, supportive, caring individuals. They don't deserve your criticism. I do. We are launching an independent investigation to look into the workplace concerns that have been raised in our stores so that we may get to the bottom of this. We are so sad to see the comments and allegations of racism on social media and take them incredibly seriously. Reformation does not support or tolerate racism or discrimination. We spent the last week listening to our team. We learned so much, but most importantly, we realized how ignorant we are and how much we need to improve to become an ally and actively anti-racist brand. As a result, We are digging into every part of Reformation, our values and goals, marketing, recruiting, and training. So some of the changes is that they're going to be like doing like extra, having external advisors to direct plans along the way. They're going to be updating their quarterly sustainability report and all this other stuff. And then the person who owns Reformation, whose name is Yale, she is going to be personally donating $500,000 to the following charity. So the NAACP, a uh, Thur- uh, Thurgood Marshall College fund and the National Child Development Institute. So the reason why I'm bringing this up is because there have been a multitude of brands who have been called out for their lack of diversity, lack of inclusion, and just general just not giving a shit about any of their Black employees or anyone who's a person of color. It's really interesting because people, it, it seems as if that these companies think that just by stepping down and saying, oh, I'm going to put someone else in charge, that, that takes away from what you did. It doesn't. And in all honesty, donating 500 grand, okay, you're going to be creating a diversity board, okay. I don't think that that should save your brand, to be honest with you, because you pretty much admitted that you built and ran your company under a white gaze and didn't care when people who were Black came to you and said, you know, I feel as if that you're treating me differently because of the way that I look and because I am Black. I feel as if that I'm not getting ahead because of the way that I look and I'm Black. But the people that you put in charge worked under you. So who says that they don't still have that same ignorant gaze? Same can be said for Anna Wintour and her bloody comments about Vogue has never had the opportunity to show diversity and inclusion. Bitch, you've been running Vogue for the past like 40 years. Are you joking? But you haven't found a way yet. Every now and then you have a Black model. Okay. How much of your staff at Vogue is actually black? How many of them are writers, photographers? You know that Vogue didn't have a black photographer on staff until Beyonce had to ask for one. She had to specifically ask for a black photographer because they don't have any. In the words
0: of, in the words of Matt Damon, uh, what was it? Diversity is having black people in front of the cam- in front of the camera. Damn, not behind. So yeah.
1: yeah. So she had to ask, and that was the first time that apparently Vogue got a Black photographer because she asked for one. And I'm sitting here thinking, because this is all over social media right now, because like Daya Prada, who's this collective of people who call out acts of racism and poor work conditions when staff actually talk about it. So you know, this Diet Prada and Estee Laundry. They are, they're pretty much a collective of people who get complaints. So you don't know who actually these people are who run these platforms, but they release statements from people who are former staff, current staff. They get news articles. Sometimes they get a jump on stuff that hasn't even hit media yet, which is insane, talking about the way that these things are happening. And I think that a lot of people, I think for me, what it is is that looking at them and saying, just because you create like an advisory board and you donate money and all these different things it doesn't change the fact of what you did you're only now being diverse because you're getting called out you you were never going to be diverse until someone said something you were never going to have inclusion until someone said something you never intended to have black executives until someone said something so because just because you are doing it now to me actually doesn't mean shit because you shouldn't have to have been forced to make this happen you should have just wanted to do it that's how i want to start with this because it's the most interesting thing i've seen on social media because um sharon there's this woman who owns a makeup bride, Alma beauty and she she created a challenge called the step up step up and shut up challenge i believe where it was asking companies to release their actual numbers of how many people who work in their company are obviously caucasian black people who identify a person of color if it's female run if it's equally male all that kind of stuff to release their numbers Um, There was one company that I was like, oh, oh, cool, they're sustainable. They don't have one black person working for them. Not one. But they talk about diversity and have diverse models, but that's it.
0: Like Matt Damon said, right? Diversity is having black people in front of the camera.
1: But not behind it.
0: Not in the writing room, not behind the camera, not in the executive level, just as the talent.
1: Doesn't that doesn't that make doesn't that piss you off? It pissed me off. It it was really, really eye-opening for me because of the fact that I like obviously I love, I, you know, I love clothes, I love fashion, I love beauty, all that stuff. So it was amazing to actually see these numbers get released and to hear about these companies. I always knew that many companies obviously have an ignorant gaze, but it's just funny watching them get called out and then watching them become so nervous that they're like, oh, I'm just gonna I'm, I'm gonna take a step back. I'm just gonna resign and put people in charge who worked under me who most likely are just as ignorant? I'm
0: going to say this. I'm going to say this. <laughs> um, the saying, West, so. whether you want that to be America, Canada, the UK, it's the West, the West. The West is built off of a good old boys club, Stupid. a white man's club, a white people's club, wherever you want to describe it, Right these companies were you know let's not let's not even get into all that let's let's, let's, let's skip that because we've heard that speech before right i'm honestly not shocked i'm gonna be honest i'm not, I'm not shocked. shocked. I'm I, just um, irritated. i've been at many companies where n- not even black but all of their minorities are at the bottom level and then you, as you go up to the executive roles you see less and less colored faces to the point where it's all white and then they'll have one white woman as like the senior HR business partner and be like, look, we have diversity. We hired Karen. You know what I
1: mean? <laughs> so it's like,
0: so it's just like this this is normal to me. Anna Winter, I don't even care about none of this shit because I'm not into fashion or none of that type of shit. I know this is your shit though, but Anna Winter doesn't shock me, right? Vogue. No, that's been around not why I brought and... it
1: up. I brought it up because of the no, fact that no, no, no. she just, actually said saying, Vogue... saying, Oh, I've never had a chance to. Like, are you joking?
0: I, I understand, I understand, I understand. Vogue's been around for years, right? For her now to come out, I never had a chance. What do you mean you never had a, had a chance? There was the Motown, Vogue covers black celebrities, right? So there was the Motown era, there was the 80s era, there was a the New Jack Swing era, there was the beginning of hip hop. There was, there was moments, right? Where you had black There was Superman also the dawn of the supermodel where you wild. had black
1: supermodels. You're, you're telling
0: me you never had diversity. Me, I think this is the issue, right? A lot of these white companies act like diversity is a chore. Yeah. This becomes the issue. There are Black people who go to school for a plethora of subjects, who graduate every year, who are in the workforce looking for jobs every mm-hmm. year, who are putting in resumes every year. You're just not hiring them. You want to hire people yeah. who look like you, talk like you, have the same experiences as you, so you can relate to them. Even if you're never going to speak to this person because they're way below you in the company. Doesn't you matter. you are comfortable that. with people a who look like you. Right? So, but at the end of the day, like they make it seem like diversity is a chore, like, oh, I have to look for black resumes. No, every time you put out a job ad, you get out of all the resumes, you're going to get at least 10 percent black, 15 percent Asian. The rest are going to be white. You're telling me you can't interview none of these people. You can't see if none of them. And they make it seem like if I hire black people, then I'm not hiring quality. No, you hire the best person. The problem is oftentimes the best person is black. You just don't want to hire that person. I told a story about the last time we did this and I talked about how I was in recruitment and we used to look for a WR, a white mm-hmm. resume, because we knew that if we sent the right resume off to any fortune 500 company in Toronto with a GTA, they'd be hired instantly. And yeah. if we had a minority resume, we knew they would send us messages. We want somebody more Canadian, whatever it may be. So these resumes are coming on your desk. You're just passing them over, right? Because you want someone that looks like you, acts like you, talks like you, whatever the case is, right? Your mindset. I think what people don't realize, yes, they think diversity is a chore. What people don't realize is like, diversity is a great thing. If I look at America, for instance, right? The two Mm -hmm. greatest states in America are New York and LA. New York and LA are the most multicultural states in America. If you look at the poorest states in America, where are they? Uh, Mississippi, Alabama. Deep South. You, you, you go through all the Midwest, Ohio. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm trying to say? So it's just like the, the states, the states that have the most diversity are the ones that flourish the most. People who have a different thought process, who see things differently, who live things differently, have a different outlet to provide for your company to help you build, right? This whole thing about, oh, diversity is a chore. Now I got, it. you don't have to look for a woman, you don't have to look for a minority. When you interview people, you hire the best person, but oftentimes you don't hire the best person. I've lived this as a recruiter. You just hire the most whitest person you can find. To be
1: the yeah.
0: Oftentimes they're less qualified. I'm not saying there aren't white people who are extremely qualified. Of course there are, right? But we live in a society where we celebrate white mediocrity. And that's just what it is. Anna Winter has been celebrating white mediocrity for years. You're telling me there wasn't, was it Vanity Fair? Vanity Fair is huge. Vogue. I'm Vogue, sorry. Vogue is okay. huge. I'm pretty sure there's been black women who have sent in resumes to Vogue since the nineteen seventies, who have just been floshed over throughout. You know what I mean? So it's like yeah. people are here. You just didn't want to hire them. Now you want to come with an excuse. Listen, fucker. And what was that what was that bitch you mentioned?
1: Oh, Yale, yeah, who uh, is the is the pres who was the president of Reformation because she founded it.
0: This bitch. So she has her company, she founded it. And she's resigning the same way all these police chiefs are resigning. They just don't want to deal with the bullshit and they're resigning because they're at the end, they're about to retire anyways. Like, yo, let me take an early retirement, put this on to somebody who has to deal with it. I don't got to deal with it anymore. So now she's resigning. They're telling me the whole time your company has been open. There wasn't one minority that came in that you thought was worth hiring. I'm pretty sure if I went through, there's a bunch of white people who are completely trash.
1: And it's not even just about the hiring. So, it's about so, the fact that like she acted, it seems that she actively avoided having to interact with anybody who was at the corporate level with her who happened to be black. It was mm-hmm. almost as if that she just was like, no, I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to mm-hmm. deal with you. And that's even worse because you see this person and they're coming to you. And all of a sudden you're actually actively avoiding them.
0: Why, like that, why? that's
1: a huge impact on somebody. Why, why, and it's also disgusting.
0: Let me ask you a question. How many jobs have you been at? Cuz I know I have experiences. Yeah. How many jobs have you been at where you're the only black person or one of the only minorities and your white coworkers or your white bosses make it seem like like you should be thankful that they hired you.
1: Pretty much every as job I've you, ever had.
0: As if it's like you should every be job thankful I've ever had. that we hired you. Like there, there's this concept of like if we didn't hire you you'd be on the corner selling drugs or if we didn't hire you yeah. you'd be you'd be in the strip club selling pussy. yeah like every like job i've ever had they make it seem as if i should be you. thankful
1: every job like i don't think that i've ever been at one job where someone doesn't make it seem as if that i should be happy that i have a job and the thing that is the funniest is when they find out that i'm actually like that i actually went to school and that i graduated and that i have an education they're like stunned when they see that on my resume people also like to mock everybody my education. has a degree
0: in toronto Every single person has a degree. Yeah, but the they all,
1: But I know I'm agreeing with you. But what I'm also going to say is that not only do they make it seem as if it's like, oh, she's educated, but even though I've gone to school, even though I've done these things, I'm either treated as if that I'm a child um, all the time. I, I'm well aware of the fact that I people per- perceive me as a certain age. Okay, fine. But that doesn't mean anything. Um, people think that I'm immature. Um, and people think that I'm too excited as they always tell me. What they're actually trying to say is, is that if someone says something to me that is either racist, derogatory, sexist, and I correct it, I'm not yelling, I'm not giving you attitude and snapping my fingers in your face, oh, Brittany, you know what? You're just being a little bit too aggressive. I said, no, I'm standing for the fact that this person said a racist comment to me. No, this person was sexist towards me. But apparently, me saying that makes me too aggressive. I become the angry Black woman. And then all of a sudden, oh, my God. It's like, it's like, that happens to me at every job. And when they say these things to me, they're like, you know, Brittany, you know, you don't have to be like this. Like, it doesn't have to be this way. And what they're telling me is if somebody says something to you like that, if somebody treats you that way, you're supposed to just accept it because we let you be here. And that is exactly what has happened to me in every job I've had. It is, it's like the article that you sent me about going from the, work pet, the workplace pet to like an enemy. I can't remember what it was called now, but it had that kind of thing. That's every job I've ever been in. As soon as I open my mouth to either defend myself or to even just speak up with an idea or anything, all of a sudden it's like, no, 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 no. I don't want to hear that. That's too aggressive, Brittany. But then my white counterpart, she can yell, scream, cry. Oh, sweetie, it's going to be okay. But if I get upset, I'm too aggressive. If I'm to get upset, I'm too bossy. If I get upset, I'm too assertive. If I get upset, right. I'm
0: an enemy. Sounds about right. Because they look at it as like, they have this like dogma where they think that all black people are just uneducated and ratchet. Yeah. I don't know what the hell, whatever. But I'll get into that later. But they think that you should, you should be happy that we even, we even dip down below all the other candidates, the white candidates, the Asian candidates, dip down to the bottom of the barrel to hire your ass. Whatever mm. happens here, you shouldn't complain because you should be thankful that we gave you a job. As if you couldn't get a job nowhere else. As if you didn't have jobs before you came there. As if you didn't go to school and graduate with a degree. As if they hired you based off the jobs that you presently had, right? So were you jobless before you came to them? A lot of them have hired me based off of my degree as
1: well because of the fact that I'm good with numbers. Because of the fact that I can balance a sheet. People have hired me because they're like, oh, this girl's actually great with numbers. And because I have the record to prove it. Like, so if I'm good at math and I can take your accounting and I can balance your work. What, I don't wait what I do. I didn't go to school, but I should be thankful. Cause you're giving little little black girl a chance. Oh, look, she can add
0: she talk ultimately a, that, that that's the, time. Time. Huh? she can talk and true gum at the same time. Yeah. No, I've been there. I've been, there. I, I, I get it. I get it. It's just, and for all the white people, calm your nerves bro i always say this man this is this listen when you hear colored people talking about their experience just listen and accept it it's not about you don't
1: get defensive
0: directed towards you you don't have to get mad
1: don't be a jessica
0: we're telling you i lived experience so you can be knowledgeable that this does happen because a lot of y'all think this don't happen because it doesn't happen to you because you don't see it you think it doesn't exist and then like it's all in your head. But no, I'm, I'm or they I'm think not, that. You're pl-
1: or they think that you're laying a personal attack against them. You heard about what happened with Jessica Mulrooney, right?
0: Yeah, I heard about it.
1: Exactly. No one ever said anything to her. So don't be a Jessica Mulrooney and think that because someone you know who is black or a person of color says something that is directed at you. To be honest, if you're going to get that all up, if you're going to get all that upset, that means that you've done something in the past that you shouldn't have or that you're currently doing right now for you to get that offended.
0: Actually, lay, lay out what happened with Jessica Mulrooney.
1: So, okay. Most people
0: don't know who the hell Jessica Mulrooney is.
1: That is true. That actually makes me kind of happy. Okay, so Jessica Mulrooney is Jessica Mulrooney is married to Ben Mulrooney, and in Canada, Ben Mulrooney's dad actually used to be what was he the premier? I can't remember. Anyway, he used to be the a head of government premier. here, and Jessica Mulrooney um, is actually the great granddaughter or granddaughter of the dude who founded Brown Shoes. So she has always, always lived a privileged life. Cause her last name was like Brownstein or something like that. The name, the brown shoes comes from that name. She married Ben Mulrooney in Montreal, whatever it is. She became, she has always been like an heiress to this and she became famous for dressing Meghan Markle. And then all of a sudden overnight she was a celebrity stylist. Her background, she brought Kleinfeld, that famous dress place to the Bay here in Canada. She had a TV show on CTV called I Do Redo, um, and she had one other thing that I can't remember right now off the top of my head. Sasha Exeter, who is a former athlete as well as an influencer, and she is also a mommy blogger because she's a single mom. She always talks about this. She is a Black woman who is Canadian who does these things. She is an influencer. Sasha posted on her Instagram pretty much like a thing calling out, like the white people that she knows, like a blanket statement about them being able to use their privilege to help make a difference for the Black Lives Matter movement and actually to allow these voices to be heard and to become a genuine ally. Well, apparently Jessica Maroney thought that that was a direct attack on her and snapped. In one comment, she is saying to Sasha, oh my god, I stand behind you, I stand behind you, while privately DMing her and saying that she is going to call all the brands who work with Sasha and make sure that she never works again threatening her livelihood, saying that her, she actually says this, because there were screenshots of this, that her voice doesn't matter. Just to throw it in there, Jessica Marini is an idiot because she spelled the word liable wrong. I will never get over that because she she put libel, which is not a fucking legal term. Anyway, what ended up happening with the fallout is that Sasha didn't stay silent. She spoke up, which I'm so happy that she did. And Jessica Marini got lambasted. She, oh, that's what it was. She used to be a, a segment on City Line. She has lost her job for City Line as a segment person who used to do fashion. She is no longer associated with Kleinfeld Canada. CTV has pulled her show, I Do Redo. And now she's gone silent on social media saying a statement I'm going to, I want I want all the, I want all this, the black women or black people to take over my Instagram. I'm going to silence, let their voices be heard. And I will not be taking legal action against Sasha. First off, bitch, sha- Sasha never said anything about you. She made okay, a blanket you statement. You
0: gonna get to Sasha.
1: Right? Even That's, what still to.
0: Feels, okay. That's, That's what I'm getting
1: says. to. So Sasha never actually said anything to Jessica. She has the screen Sasha, as we like to call she has the damn receipts. She never said anything directly to her. She made a blanket statement about asking for people who are white to use their privilege to help, to be a genuine ally. And instead of doing that, she got all caught up in arms saying, oh, you're talking about me. I'm going to do this to you. I'm going to sue you. How? for what? What are you going to do? And because of her having that tirade and pretty much going after Sasha, talking about how her voice doesn't need to be heard, she attacked her. She's doing this at the time where being, she is like, what is happening right now and her being Black made it even worse. And she just lost everything. For the past two days before the end of the week, Ben Mulrooney was not on his morning show. Why you think? his whole wife's world just imploded because of her stupidity. Belmar
0: Rooney is like, you, ever, you know you know that white woman that got slapped in the face by the Latino woman for telling her to go At back to the gas station. Couple? And her, and her husband station. is like sitting there crying and apologizing yeah. in the interview like, oh, yeah. she's just a dumb bitch. Like, that, that's, that's what Belmar Rooney is doing. He's sitting there like,
1: Yeah, he's shaking his head because... You know
0: what, though? Your true colors come out, right? Those are oh, true course, colors. Oh, of course, of course. I'm not saying like, anything
1: against that. What I'm saying is, is that she decided to get mad over a blanket statement. I'm not gonna lie to you, her privilege getting ripped away from her and that, and that slap that she got from that, I am so happy for it. Because at the end of the day, for you to have the audacity and the nerve to wanna come for somebody and say that I'm going to ruin your career and that your voice doesn't matter, all because of a blanket statement, asking mm-hmm. for you to be an ally.
0: The sad thing is, it's the same like, way that a lot of black people are tired of racism. Mm-hmm. A lot of white people are tired of hearing about it. But they're not but they're not That's tired true. of expressing it.
1: Tired of <laughs> about also it.
0: True. It's like basically most white people are just telling us you should just accept it. Shut up and accept it. You're beneath us. It is what it is, right? So I'm not mad at this bitch. I really don't give a shit. I think I didn't know who uh Bell Maroney was until he was on that show that he was on when we were like I didn't two. know
1: who he was until I found out he was a newscaster. Like I saw him on the news doing news. Yeah, That's how I found out he that
0: that was I think there was something before that, but yeah.
1: I don't know anything about before that. I'm just saying that, like, the only reason I know all this stuff is because afterwards, Refinery29 Toronto wrote this amazing article about everything that happened. If I can find the article, if you're watching on YouTube, I'll have it linked down below if you'd like to read it. Because it's actually an amazing, it's an amazing piece written, written by a Black person. Black female, yes. So I'm very happy about that. (laughs) And it goes into, like, the details of what's happening and also talks about the fact that, you know, just, like, Jessica Mulrooney has pretty much made it seem like, oh, you know, my black. She's released statements before saying, you know, having to deal with like her friend Meghan Markle and the racism that she endured being in the UK and stuff like that, saying that she has friends and all that kind of stuff. And it's interesting because it's like, Markle's you- white
0: passing. I know, but
1: you she know, talks about. No, but like I, I'm African not here to take away
0: Meghan Markle's blackness, but continue.
1: No, 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 no. I know but what I'm saying is, is that she's talked about like the racism that Meghan Markle has ensued and having to, you know, deal with like having to be there for her friends who dealt with that and to deal with it. And people are all saying, they're like, yeah, they're like, you were doing performative allyship. Like, who... Like, you like you were not an ally. You just... You use it to your advantage. And the funny thing is, is that you got upset over something for no reason. It came and bit you back in the ass. That's what happens. But I agree with, with you on you. what you said before about having to just, like... About white people pretty much saying you just have to deal with it. No, I'm not gonna deal with it. I'm not gonna shut up, so.
0: You know, I keep my foot on white people's neck. But, no, fuck that bitch. Honestly, man, it's just... <laughs> I think yesterday... Well, what 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 day is today?
1: The uh. Today's the today's the fourteenth.
0: Okay, so I think it was yesterday or the day before. After all this started to quiet down a little bit with George Floyd and everything, we mm-hmm. find out that there's another death of a man in Atlanta that just happened, where he was. So I forget his name right now, but I'm sure you'll find it by the end of me talking about this. But I can
1: look it up he, while you're talking. Basically,
0: long story short was. He was intoxicated. He was stopped by the police. Um, the police, basically, the police tried to handcuff him, and he got away and ran. Fine. Wait,
1: Everybody was this the First Nations from... chief? What? Is this the is this the First Nations chief?
0: What, what is in Atlanta?
1: In Atlanta, sorry, sorry, the cops beat up a First Nations chief too. Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Wrong person. <laughs> I'm gonna
0: get to that. I'm gonna get to that. <laughs> But Sorry. he, um, so long story okay. short, he was stopped by the police because he was intoxicated.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He ran away from the police, as most people do, despite race. And the police, he got the police's taser. Now, the taser is not black. The taser is blue and yellow. So it's a bright blue and yellow color. The police okay. obviously knew that he grabbed the taser because when he ran away with the taser, the police grabbed his gun after and shot him in the back several times until he died. Now, Jesus. I see a lot of people instantly saying, well, if he didn't take the taser, well, if he didn't do this, right? And this is, this is, this is the way I kind of feel about, because I feel like whenever a Black person dies, there's always mm-hmm. some wellness, this, well this, right? And it's like, we've all seen videos on television of white people fighting the police and knocking the police out. We've seen mm-hmm. videos on television of white people grabbing the police's taser and tasing the police. We've seen videos on television of white people grabbing the police's gun. We've seen videos on television of white men taking the police's vehicle and riding off. We've seen videos on television of Mm -hmm. white men going up to the police officer with an armed weapon and saying, if you don't leave me alone, I will kill you. Full out death threats, right? Uh But whenever a black person dies, the immediate response is, well, he did something. Well, he had to do something. He grabbed the taser. I could see if he grabbed the gun and another cop shot him, I would understand. I wouldn't even debate that. He grabbed the taser, which is not black; it's yellow and yellow and yellow and blue. And once he had the taser, the cop then grabbed his gun because he had the cop's taser. So yeah. the taser can only shoot like two foot in front of you. It's not going to reach the cop anyways. And he was running away from the cop. The cop could have just called for backup, but the cop decided to shoot him a couple times in the back. Now. I have noticed this, man. The media the media has built up this dogma over the years, right? They mm-hmm. built up this dogma when it comes to Black people in Canada, when it comes to Black and Aboriginal people, right? They built up mm-hmm. this dogma over the years. It's this fear-mongering that happens, where you show these images of Black and brown faces, Indigenous faces, and you show them as drunks, as vagrants, as criminals, as people of society that should be despised so because you've built this up over years and years and decades and decades now it's come to a point that when black and indigenous and brown faces are seen on television dead innocence is never granted towards them it's always a thing of well they had to do something well why did he do this Or even when it comes to George Floyd's deaths and you hear Candace Owens saying, oh, well, well, he did this. Well, he did this. He wasn't doing that at the time because we've built this up. While if a white face is gunned down by the police, it's immediate innocence on the victim. And it's like, how could the cop do this? A white face can go into a school and murder the whole entire school. He can go into a school and murder all of his classmates. And he is still perceived as innocent. And he had a mental illness. Not saying it's a mental illness, but he's still perceived as But it's used as, he uses, as he a
1: heavy excuse every single time the person exactly. happens
0: to be white. What I'm saying is we have built this over the decades. We have built this in the news, in the media, in Hollywood. We've built this dogma around Black, mm-hmm. Brown, and Aboriginal bodies and faces and women and men that they are whatless. Yeah. So no matter what happens now, it's automatically fault is provided on them instead of on the person who actually murdered them what's what's the female i want to say her name right who was murdered in her sleep who was Brianna Taylor Brianna Taylor was murdered in her sleep the cops got a warrant for the wrong house Oh no 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 no
1: they, no, no. they had a warrant, the warrant for the right house but they went to the wrong house
0: Sorry a warrant for the right house they went to the wrong house got into the house her boyfriend at the time if you're coming into my house in this united states and i got a weapon i'm going i'm going to draw the weapon drew his weapon they disarmed him and then shot her in her bed. Yep. She, she's there to save lives during COVID. And still no one's been charged for that, right? Because it doesn't matter even if you died innocent blood, it's looked at as like, it's still your fault. Let me give you an example. It's very similar to like an insect, right? An insect mm-hmm. comes into your house. Insect is an insect. It's going to go where it wants to go. It mm-hmm. comes into your house. Now, us as humans, we despise insects because we know that insects bring other insects and they bring dirt and infestation so we despise them the same way how people look at black brown and indigenous faces and they despise them they come into your community they think they're going to bring crime and drama they come they they, they date your daughter and sons they think they're going to ruin the family you're despised you see what i'm trying to say when the insect comes in your house even though the insect innocently flew in Innocently walked in, you immediately grab the raid, the slipper, and you kill them, right? And when you kill them, it's always the insect's fault. Damn, this insect in my house. I hate this insect in my house. Insect, you open the door, he flew in. Now, I'm not saying you should catch the insect and let him out. I'm just saying that the way the world views black, brown, and indigenous faces is very similar to the way the world views insects. That's my point. I can see that. I I get the comparison. Because we built this up over time, Mm-hmm. this now becomes the issue, right? So it doesn't matter if it's a black male or a black female that's murdered by the police. It doesn't matter if it's an indigenous male or an indigenous female that's murdered by the police. It doesn't matter if an indigenous female is raped and transported and murdered. Yeah. It's, <clears throat> it's automatically seen that it's their fault. While a white man can wrestle with the police Steal the police car in front of the police, mm-hmm. tase the police, threaten the police with an armored weapon. A white man can shoot up a whole school full of white people. Never seen fault. It's, it's a psychological thing. We've psychologically made everybody see this, right? And there's even black people who are like, oh my God, like, like he had to do something, right? If you talk to the older black generation, definitely, he had to do something. There's no way the cops would just do him like that even we have internalized this thinking right
1: yeah and it's actually really sad when you actually think about it the comparison to insects that was actually quite true as you were explaining i was like yeah that actually makes a lot of sense
0: it just is what it is man it It it, is what it is i know
1: that but that's
0: it's and and that's what i'm saying like like in order to kill truly kill racism you have to deprogram everyone's mind the same way how we say as black people before you have children we need to unlearn all the ignorance that comes from yeah. slavery and colonialism so we don't pass it down the only way to truly eliminate ignorance and racism because people are going to we're going to teach it to their kids right yeah so the only way to truly un, the only way to truly erase it yes you can unlearn it each individual person but you have to reprogram society it, like you have, you have, to, you have to spend another hundred years showing positive images of just non-white people, so you can reprogram yeah. society.
1: Because, sorry, now that you just talk about reprogramming society, did you hear what they're going to be doing now here in Ontario, like in Canada, uh. about what they're changing in the curriculum? They are now going to include and teach about the residential schools.
0: Oh, about fucking time, right? Are they, they haven't. No, down, no. I did when you just said reprogram. I was Ryerson like, University? Hmm. Are they gonna rename Ryerson University because Canada? I don't think it's
1: gotten that far yet.
0: <laughs> and point fingers about how they have statues of of all their Confederate leaders and all of this, and we have the same thing here. Like, yeah, I know. Residential schools, literally a school system from the 1800s all the way up until 1998, where they were kidnapping.
1: It was ninety-eight. So Sorry, I just Western want to check American, and see, but it was it
0: was ninety-eight. It was a high suicide rate, and then at the end of the day, they literally took the architect of the residential school and named one of Toronto's top three universities after him.
1: Sorry, I just want to see how long we had residential schools. You can keep jogging. I'm just checking.
0: <laughs> no, I just want, I want to hear this. I know it's the mid '90s. That's
1: what I'm looking for. I'm just I'm just curious. The last federally operational residential school closed in 1996, and it was called Gordon's Indian Residential School and was located in (laughs) Peninshki, Saskatchewan. I'm saying that wrong. The last one closed in 96. Ridiculous. In Saskatchewan.
0: And they named one of Canada's major universities after, after the guy that architected the residential school, right? Yeah. You know what, man? And I, people, and that's the problem, man. And I said this in the last meeting, right? I hope all these countries that are pointing the finger at the states are dealing with their mm-hmm. own fuckery too. I know they're not. To be honest. Yeah, but just, isn't it
1: so much easier just to be like, we support all Black Lives Matter around the world. and We're going to have protests. We're still going to be racist and ignorant here. Because right now, the, all the, le- the lens of the world is on the U.S.
0: See, I talked about this. I know the last time we are in this, I said that my company... Which is a software company they decided so my company decided that they were going to put out a post to say that they stand with uh black lives matter my company puts out posts about every single thing whether it's forest fires in brazil forest fires in australia saving dogs and cats everything they're very liberal so they didn't put out nothing about what was happening in the states or what was happening around the world because they just don't give a shit, right? So then yeah. one of the black executives said, we should do this. And then they decided to put it out. When they put it out, a past associate of the company who wasn't black. He was, he was of Indian descent. He, ta- he came on Twitter and talked about how he experienced racism in the company for the years that he was there. And then other employees came out. Then they decided that they wanted to have, so every Thursday we have a meeting in the office where we talk about what's happening in the company. They decided they wanted to dedicate the Thursday that just passed here to all the black employees. So we created a black group and a lot of the, we only have 26 black employees out of a company of like 500 people, right? So less than
1: 2%.
0: Yes, and all the black employees are in Toronto. There's no black employees in the US office, no black employees in the the Amsterdam office. Get my point. So Mm -hmm. we decided to get all 26 employees and we wanted to speak and talk about our black experiences, not just in this workplace, but in workplaces in general. And that's why I shared my story about being a recruitment. And we all shared separate stories. And I basically told people, like, we're talking about what's happening in America, but this happens right here in Canada, right? And at the end of the day, like, I, I saw these Black Lives Matter rallies happening all over the world, but you have the Netherlands, where they have a Christmas festival, everybody wears blackface. And a third of my company in the Netherlands. And I said it right there. I was just like, yeah, I'm going to call it out. If I get the one chance to not be fired and address whiteness, well, yeah. I'm taking it. So I just took it. I shared stories of me in recruitment. I shared the stories. I shared heartfelt stories. I said a story about my grandmother, who in the mid-90s, when I was a child, was stopped by a police officer in a traffic stop because she was driving too slow. My grandmother at the time is in her late 60s, early 70s. The police officer comes to the window with the taser out. My grandma gets scared. He starts yelling at her, screaming at her to give license registration. She's shook. This is an old woman. She's a hundred pounds soaking wet. And this man pulled her through the driver's seat window and dropped her on the ground. We go to the hospital. She's bandaged up, everything, right? And then people want to turn around and say, Canada's not racist. One of my friends that I got hired works in the company. We talked about our story being in college in a city over from where we live where he actually lives which is a city that is majority white people but that's where our college was we're literally leaving the college there's four of us in a car four black students we're dropping him home the cop stops us four cars pull up ask us license registration for and license for all of us which we don't understand why that we all give our license over then they tell us why are we in their city the license plate says brampton we shouldn't be in their city. like we go to the school Then they want to tell us, well, you shouldn't be in our city. It's just straight up. He was there to confirm that story as well, right? So people act like racism doesn't happen here. I've been called a nigger in Canada. These things happen, right? And the meeting went well, I would say. Of course, after it was done, everybody wanted to. Some people reached out genuinely and said, yo, this touched me. I had no Mm -hmm. clue that there was racism in Canada. You have no clue? Really? Really, you have Native girls be, being kidnapped on the news every day. Well, then again, it's not even on the news. Yeah,
1: they just it, disappear. No, no one who cares.
0: So you know what? I can understand why somebody living in their own bubble could have no clue what's Mappings in Canada. Fine, whatever. So a lot of people reached out with that. Some people reached out just to pander, ju- just to make, it, just to do performance allyship. But at the end of the day, I couldn't tell the difference between the two. So I just accepted both and picked up my Georgia bundle and moved down the street. I was like, what am I really going to do? Yeah. I think the part that annoyed me the most is, and I talked about this last time, the black executive that started the whole thing. Um, so we we all kind of spoke and we all shared our experiences, right? I know you haven't watched it yet. I'm gonna I told I gave you the link so you can watch it. Yeah. And she the, the the whole meeting was two hours long. She spent the last hour. Like we talked about hair, we talked about hiring processes, we talked about we focused more on being black in the workplace. And we focus on being like a can of more workplace. This woman spent the last half an hour giving a speech that seemed like she prepared. She opened up the speech saying something, which was fine. But then the last half an hour of the speech, it's like she waited her whole life to say this. Mind you, to give extra context, we had meetings prior to this. Every meeting we had prior to this, she would always talk about how she's speaking to the CFO or the executive of the company. and And there was one meeting where the executive wanted to put out a four page statement and she gave it to us for us to run through it and edit it. I'm like, why are we doing this? Only the
1: black people to edit it. Be clear about that.
0: He he gave it to her. Right. And she wanted us, the remainder of the black people, to edit it in the meeting. I'm like, I didn't sign up for this Zoom meeting to edit this white man's speech. Let him fall by the sword. And I told her straight to her face in the meeting. I'm like, are you Kerry Washington? Is this scandal? Why are we doing this? She got offended but I just kept it real with her
1: that's an awesome right? reference
0: <laughs> And throughout the whole entire thing she just kept talking about how she has his number and how this and how this and like she kept wanting us to like feel sorry for him like she was protecting the man the whole time and I sat that's there awesome. and I was like okay this is more than just this for her I think that she's trying to also and this is done go back to him and be like listen the company was about to deal with racial issues I protected you I was your token I took you through all of that. Where's my race?
1: Yeah, I'm mad at her awesome. for it,
0: but I see what she's doing. The rest of us are not going to get it, but I see how she's moving right now. But we do the meeting now, and there must have been 20 times in the meeting where she referenced the man's name and said, he's doing the work, guys. He's reading White Fragility. He's doing this. He's doing this. And I'm sitting in the meeting like, yo, this bitch is really pandering. Like, she's really on a man's nuts. But she's taking her opportunity to do that. At the end of the meeting, she gave this half an hour speech. Okay. Uh, when I tell you, I'm in the meeting. All the other Black people are in the meeting. We had a side chat going on because she's been pandering towards us the whole time. This bitch went from being a Black Ganyan Canadian to mm-hmm. all of a sudden put on this Southern American accent, started speaking Ebonics. Are you serious? She had a line in there where she oh goes, God. where she goes, where she goes, we's glad that y'all showed up. We's glad that y'all came to the meeting. This, is your, coming to, this is your coming to Jesus moment. We's glad that y'all was able to realize. And I'm like, yo, this is Canada. Everybody here oh is either Caribbean God. or Africa. Where does we come in? here? Where does we She's an idiot. And, and then she had a moment where, like, she completely went into, like, pastor mode. And it was, li- I'm not lying to you. And the last half an hour, she was just, like, like, literally <laughs> asking for amens. Like, I want everybody to be happy that we came here today to talk. Oh, my. You have. I hate over.
1: that shit.
0: And and then there was a moment right at the end where this bitch gave a fake cry.
1: No, so we didn't. get to
0: the end, and she's reading off the pen. She's reading it. Well, she's, she's memorized the whole speech, by practicing a million thousand times. We get to the end, and we're going through it. And she's just like, I just want, like, she's talking normal, you know. She's like, guys, I just want to say that this was great that everybody joined in and I'm happy we came that quick I'm sitting there messaging my hey, boy hey, at one hey, time time. So like, good. are you watching this bitch and the <laughs> reason why I got mad at it is because I'm sitting there and I'm just like yo this meeting was good enough we talked we talked about how racism affects black people in public when it comes to the mm-hmm. police we talked about how racism affects black people in the education system. I give my mm-hmm. teacher's college examples. We talked mm-hmm. about how racism affects black people in the workplace, when the hiring processes mm-hmm. and the microaggressions you get at work. My boy talked about how he, he's a six-foot-tall big black man and how, how white people talk about how he's dangerous. We talked about everything you could possibly talk about. They got the fucking point. And then she came at the end with this skip to my lou hosy doo pandering bullshit. And decided That's- to doll it up sprinkle a little tyler perry on it and it was like medea on steroids oh and i'm looking God. at it like you just took everything we did
1: and threw it out the window
0: and made it this mind you people still messaged us and said thank you for sharing your stories people people specifically messaged me about certain stories i shared so i can appreciate that but this bitch Mm. And I was just like, yo, this is not about you. And then after the meeting was done, we had a follow-up meeting with all the Black people in the in the group, all 26 of us, to talk about the meeting. And literally, we're supposed to do a recap of what we spoke about. And we did that mm-hmm. for the first five minutes. The meeting was mm-hmm. another hour and a half. But she spent another hour talking about herself. And I was like, this is the most narcissistic, egotistical bitch I ever met in my life. And That's- it seemed like she was waiting her whole life to do this. And then she's like, guys, we should take the video and share it on social media. I'm like, you think the company is going to allow you to take a company meeting where people are criticizing the company on its racism and allow you to put it on social media?
1: You lose your drive,
0: Guys, I can edit it. If she edited it, it would just be her.
1: Exactly, her talking. Like, I was just like...
0: I'm telling you, you have to watch it. Uh, No,
1: I will. I'm just... (laughs) Like <laughs> when I think about certain things of any form of racism that I had, I I've had people, I've had people call me nigger. Look at me but like, you're a nigger. And I'm like, thanks. <laughs> like, what do you want me to do with that? Had people call me a black bitch when I was little. I mean, the craziest thing that ever happened to me. I was like in my early twenties and I was downtown. My friend was ahead of me. She's white, by the way. And I stopped. My shoeless came like untied or something. And she was walking ahead of me. I quickly tie it, I get up. I say her name as I'm jogging lightly up behind her. This cop is rolling by. You know, the cop actually wailed his sirens at me to make me stop running. Proceeded to get out of his car and ask my friend, is she accosting you? With his hand on his hip, like he was gonna draw his gun and put a bullet in me all because of the fact that I lightly jogged up behind my friend and said her name. And I could just stand there. I was like seething. Couldn't do anything. Just stood there. And then the girl looks at him and goes, she's my friend. Oh, oh. Well, okay, fine then. And Did then just stare. Huh?
0: Did your white friend tell you it's all on your head after?
1: No, she actually didn't say anything afterwards because I don't think she knew what to say. And to be honest with you, she never talked about that incident ever again. I was the only one who ever actually remembered it. Because in that moment of seeing the way that he approached me and put his hand on his hip, like I was going to do something. The entire time I was standing there, I was just staring at his hand. Cause in my mind, I said, if I move too fast, if I say something that he doesn't deem as respectful, or if I look like I'm going to attack him, I'm going to die. Because I became a threat from running up behind my friend, but I wasn't even running. I was lightly jogging, but it didn't matter.
0: Well, that's the role of the cops, right? The role of the cops is not to keep everyone safe. The role of the cops No, it's is only
1: to keep certain people safe.
0: It's just to keep white people safe. Well, let's just okay, keep yeah. a- white people safe, let's be
1: real. Keep white people safe.
0: Keep white people safe.
1: You know, you know what's interesting? You know what's interesting about that? So, I am obviously light-skinned, <laughs> okay? I am a light-skinned black woman. And light-skinned people, have a privilege that a lot of us don't like to acknowledge and some of us take it to the extent of being jackasses about it but like actual assholes there are certain things that I didn't know until you told me and I was like what the fuck anyway we get into my point my point is is that it's interesting being light-skinned being around white people because as we like to say you and I like to say that I am digestible well you don't look that black you don't sound black. Oh, but really know. you must be half white. I'm not. The amazing thing of watching it is that that privilege allows you to blend in a little bit. And a lot of people don't like, people like people don't like to admit that. And if they do, they're arrogant about it. Me, on the other hand, I fucking hate it. It's amazing to see that once these white people say something to you that is racist, Prejudice, ignorant, whatever term you would like to use of definition and you stop them in their tracks they look at you and they're like oh I didn't think you were that black oh wait you are that black and then their whole attitude about you changes you started to get treated much poorly than you did before you realize that they don't want to talk to you
0: they get treated like
1: us yeah they don't want to be around you and guess what I'm fine with that because why the fuck would I want to be friends with a bunch of ignorant people who are going to talk shit about Black people? I am Black. I don't give a shit.
0: You both know plenty of Black people. Oh no no no! White friends who allow their white oh no who pander and
1: who play into that. I'm not saying anything against. I'm not saying that they don't do that. But what I'm saying is it's it's interesting to see because you see the people who light skin people specifically, and I'm gonna fucking say it, who pander to that shit. And who live for that because they're being, they don't care if you say that they're a nigga. You know, they don't care if you say something ignorant or rape, they don't give a shit. But then there's people, there's people like me who actually say, What the fuck are you saying? And call you on it. And then all of a sudden it's like you become public enemy number one. I lost a job because of the fact that I stood up for myself and all of a sudden I was too much. They were like, Oh, but you were light-skinned, now you keep talking. I started off great. People liked me. Then they so decided you, to bully token, my ass. Right?
0: So they want you to be their token. Yeah. and to I, to- the to- I was they never was
1: the, the token. I was never the token.
0: To be an accessory.
1: Yeah, but I never like they thought that, and then I was just like, no. But then this other bitch came in who became the motherfucking token, <laughs> and then they're like, you know, we're gonna just replace you with her because she allows us to pander, she allows us to say whatever the fuck we want, she doesn't talk back, she doesn't say anything, she doesn't correct the behavior. You know what, Brittany, you're, you, you're correcting us too much. You're telling us that we can't say these things. You're not letting us treat you like dirt, but she does. So we're just gonna get rid of you and keep her. And that's exactly what fucking happened.
0: Makes sense. You know what, man? No, you know what, man? Uh, what? I don't know if racism truly is gonna change.
1: I don't think
0: it will. Um, I, I doubt it. I think, I think it's taught. And I think people, people, people thought that racism didn't exist because it was the old white men thing who were in their 70s. But those old white men have taught a new generation of people. Yeah. They had a Black Lives Matter protest in Toronto. And there was a young white kid, 18 years old, showed up in blackface. I'm sure his parents are racist as hell, right? So yeah. it's, it's taught. It's something that's taught. It's something that because it's taught, it will always be there as long as you're teaching it to your children. So mm-hmm. I don't think it will ever go away. Um I think I did I did like two videos I saw. I liked um the video from Hassan. What is Hassan's goddamn last name? Hassan manash Oh the
1: youtube the the YouTube one you sent me.
0: Yeah Hassan is it Hassan? Minash? I can't
1: remember
0: his last name. Oh fuck up his name. I have what it in the, the It was from Hassan. Um he's a. I don't even know if he's really from India, so I'm just gonna say he's a Desi comedian.
1: I'm going to link it down below so people can watch it from you. And I'll link it in the thing for the podcast so people can watch it.
0: I thought it was really, really good. He spoke about the Asian community Mm
1: -hmm. and he
0: spoke about their role in this. And he brought them really good examples. He's like, we are just as racist as the white people. And a lot of times the Asian community will say, why are these black people doing this? I don't understand. But the Asian community comes from countries where there was civil unrest Mm for them being treated with inequality, where they would riot where they would overthrow the government, it yeah. would be full out war, and then they come here and they know that Black people are being treated like shit, but because it's not them, they're like, they oh, why are anymore. they doing this? And saying that Black people should just accept the treatment that is given to them by America, Canada, the West, white people, or including some Asians, right? I've been to a lot of Asian stores, and we know how that goes. I don't even really have to I go know. over that, but we already know how it is to be in an Asian store. So they, they, they internalize the same thing once they get here. And they realize that Black people are the deviant. It's funny, because you come from from a country where you are looked as deviant, and you want empathy, and that's why you come to North America and the West, and then you come to North America and the West, and you you basically target another people who went through the same thing you went through in your country of being seen as the deviant, but you wanted empathy there, and that's why you came here, but you can't give empathy to them. And I love how he articulated that. And he's just like, what is the difference? And he brought it up, and he called him out. It's about time somebody calls out the Asian community. It was it's really good. Well and I'm happy he did it. I actually liked the video. I've never seen. I've seen people call it the Asian community who are an Asian. I've never seen an Asian person really call it the Asian community. I think Lily Singh did something on it, but I like what Hassan did. I liked it. He, he laid it out the, so well. Laid it out well. I thought it was good. Yeah. And then, on the same day, or at least the same, well, I don't know if it's the same day, but I liked what Dave Chappelle did. Dave Chappelle came out with a special, I believe it's on Netflix, but I saw it on YouTube. It's eight. The minutes clip that's and on YouTube is
1: called 846.
0: Seconds. Yeah, it's on Netflix as well, but it's 8 minutes and 46 seconds, which is basically the amount of time that the cop had his knee before he died. And he did a complete special basically addressing white America again, because we know exactly what the hell this is. Did it in his hometown. And of course, Dave Chappelle, Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock are really good at this. Same with D.L. Hughley. There's a couple of comics I like that are intelligent and it wasn't even comedic. He just spoke the truth with a few punchlines and he literally hit every single point. Right. But, I know it's going to go in one ear and out the other. It doesn't matter if it's a Black person white people love. But you know what? I'm going to try to look at it positive. Maybe this might reach a few people. Maybe Maybe. the Hassan thing might reach a few Asian people. Maybe this might change a few minds. I doubt it because I have lived experience that shows me it won't. And I'll just live off my lived experience instead of having optimistic expectations that never really come true. But I do like what both of them said. I like what Dave Chappelle said. I like what Hassan said. I thought I thought I were both really great, to be honest. I thought it hit it right on the head. Um, I like the fact that they stepped up and took time to produce that and compile it together and put it out to the public. I think that, of course, certain people it may hit, most people it won't, but I enjoyed mm-hmm. the fact that it was done.
1: Yeah, I would agree. When you sent them to me, I saw Hassan's first, thought it was amazing. Everything that he said, the examples he laid out, even the way that he did the video showing especially when he started listing out the examples and every single face started popping up and covered the screen of just trying to get that message through. And then even talking about the examples of the way that they speak about black people in their own homes, everything that he said. And then Dave Chappelle's segment, the whole thing is 27 minutes long, but it's like the fastest 27 minutes you hear because it's just so, it's so impactful that you just sit there and you're like, wow, that's all you can say. Like, it was that good. Was and again, good
0: Dave definitely. Chappelle's pretty brilliant, so. <laughs> I liked it, I actually yeah. really, really liked it. I think Dave Chappelle's like up to his game from when he first started. There's a few comics I like like that. I like Dave Chappelle, I like Chris Rock, I like D.L. Hughley. There's a few comments I like. Like I'm, I'm not into the black comics that are gonna do the same ghetto jokes. It doesn't really get me like that, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. Maybe because I'm not from America, so I don't have that same lived experience. There's a similar lived experience here, but it's not the same, right? So I can't connect to it. I do like like major hype and people like that that do like the cultural jokes because mm-hmm. I come from a cultural background, so I understand that. But in terms of American black comics, I like my Dave Chappelle, my Chris Rock, my Dio Hughley. There's a few others. Uh, there's actually a few white comics I like, too. It's not just them, but yeah, I, th- I thought it was really, really good. I'm not going to lie. Um, I saw Joe Rogan did something. I thought that was really, really good, but i think it's been a good week man i did i did the meeting i said i was gonna do with my workplace i thought it i thought it i thought it was i thought it was good i thought it was well needed i thought my boss not my boss but i thought the most senior black person on the team was just cooning which i knew she was gonna do before it even happened because she was so frustrating i knew she was gonna coon in front of people i I was not i I expected that to be um other than that what else happened during this week? I think that was it actually. It's COVID, so it's just 9 to 5. Um we finally watched that Kerry Washington movie.
1: American Son. It was
0: it was good. It was what I expected, it, yeah. but it was good. You know what I mean? I'm I, not I'm not mad at it. It was okay. I think we also watched um what was the other shit that we Queen watched? Queen and Slim. Queen and Slim, I thought, was really It took good.
1: us forever to see this movie because the fact that we missed it when it came out in cinemas, and when we wanted to try and find it, it was, like, impossible to. You
0: have to wait for the Blue Lake up on the internet.
1: Doesn't matter, though. The Blue Lake version was, like, very good. It was amazing. It was no, I know, such I know, an amazing movie.
0: I really, really liked it, to be honest with you. From start to finish, I was like, okay. Yeah. I feel it like it had the same, like, cinematography feel as Moonlight, and that's kind of... That's yeah,
1: that's a good comparison. yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: I thought it was really, really good. I thought, I thought the story was good. Yeah. I thought the character development between both of them were good. The relationship was good. Yeah. I actually really liked it. And I was talking to you about this, man. Like, I, I really enjoy this new renaissance of Black films, just to get away from the racist bullshit. I really enjoy this new renaissance of Black films. I don't know how the many photograph times, and Maybe because I'm trying to put something out there myself, but like, I enjoy it. Like, yeah, like, I, like I, I
1: Issa Rae's The Photograph.
0: Yeah, I, 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 actually feel, I actually feel like it's a renaissance, like how we had in the 90s with Love Jones mm-hmm. and all of that. But mm-hmm. it's like, it's different. In the 90s, for every Love Jones, you had menace to society. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. But I like the fact that I think Black people are realizing that as much as the media is able to put images out there Of Mm. black people in a negative light whether it's Mm. movies or television shows or music videos and Mm -hmm. people i'm not saying these images aren't real they are real but people internalize them and that gives them a negative outlet on black people yeah i i think that this generation this generation of black writers and black directors because in the 90s it was mostly black actors and all these stories that we love were written and produced by white people but this generation is black people behind the camera and i think even though some of them are telling the same ghetto stories that we're used to, they're empathizing with these black characters. They're making you feel for these black characters. They're they're showing you the same boys in the hood, menace to society story, but from a different angle. And that's why I like it, right? Like obviously if you had a bunch of black movies that were just like overly pretentious and overly positive, Mm -hmm. Black people be like, okay, it's not real, right? So it's the same exact thing of having a bunch of Black movies where it's just the ghetto shit, right? And I think there needs to be a balance, right? I think, I think, I don't want to say not real, so I'm back myself, because of course you can have that image of Black people. It's real across the board. But I think Mm in the 90s and the 80s going forward, it was just one segment of an underclass of Black people. And then the 2000s going upwards, we did a whole segment of Black people who weren't like that. But I think now they're, they're really trying to set a different bar where it's like, okay, if I'm going to make this movie, I'm going to show it from an empathetic value, no matter what I'm doing. And, yeah. I, and I respect that going forward. And I think that's why I really respected Queen and Slim. That's why I respected The Photograph. That's why I respected yeah. Dope. That's why I respected just, just a lot of the stuff coming out, whether it's Lena Waithe, whether it's Ava DuVernay, whether it's Donald Glover, whether it's Issa Rae, whether Jordan it Hill. doesn't matter. I respect it. I, I love, love it. it. Yeah. Try to think of what else happened this week. What else happened this week?
1: I don't even know. Like there's uh, I actually can't think of anything. Nothing else really happened. Like I said, you just have the company saying I'm sorry. <laughs> um and releasing sorry statements and doing all this nonsense.
0: Every, everyone's pandering, man. Starbucks is pandering. Everyone's pandering. Oh, yeah.
1: When that, that happened, when Starbucks uh, first releases a statement saying, well, that they are going, that they stand with the Black community, and then lo and behold, sent an internal email saying you can't wear anything that says Black Lives Matter. <laughs> they, they have since recanted, and now it's okay. Of course they did because of public outrage.
0: This is the thing, man. No company wants to be on the wrong side of history. And every company wants to feed their bottom levels. What I mean by that is a lot of companies are making sure that they're on the right side of history. Companies like Ben & Jerry's have been sticking up for Black people for decades. But a lot of companies want to make sure that they're on the right side of history. A lot of politicians want to make sure that they're on the right side of history. And of course, marketing something towards the Black population means money, especially during COVID all these companies are losing money let's try to generate something you know what i mean yeah most of this is pandering and i think i think if if you think it's not pandering you're naive as shit most of this all these companies coming out and making it seem like they care about black people all of a sudden it's just pandering and i already know that a few months from now when all this keels over they're not going to give a shit right so i already know what it is most of it is pandering and it is what it is i'm not mad at it the one thing i can hope is i decided from a business standpoint. The one thing I can hope is I hope that after this is all said and done, that they keep the same energy.
1: Yeah. That's what I've been saying since the beginning. That's why when, 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 when everything kicked off, the first thing I posted was when this is no longer trending, will you have the same energy? And then I posted it again. And I said, I hope all of you who are, Saying that you are wanting to be allies and all this. I said, I hope all of you keep the same energy when this is no longer a headline. Like, I just kept changing the word once it was like trending and headline. I kept saying it because everything for a week went dark. And now everyone is posting things saying, well, you know, now that we're, we're going to slowly get back to our version of normal, but we're not going to forget. And it's like, yo, it, it doesn't just stop after a week. This is not something that can stop. It has to be something that's continuous. I'm not telling you not to 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 promote your business, but I'm saying the energy that you gave for the past seven days, you have to keep it up. Because genuine allyship and genuinely caring means you don't stop. But we all know that most will stop. Yeah, yeah it's performative. I know that.
0: What was I going to say? I like the Dave Chappelle addressed... Um... Azalea Banks and her ratchet ass. Yo, I never understand oh, yeah. this girl. This girl's been oh, yeah. out for years. I've I've only heard like one song from this girl. All I ever see is drama. It's just like, yo, at this point, you might as well be on Love & Hip Hop, bro. Because at least if you're on Love & Hip Hop, you can start all the drama you want and get directly paid. Like, why even be an artist? I don't I Because you I don't to talk this. about
1: shit in the media. At this point in time, Azalea Banks is no longer... She's not even classified anymore, I think, as a person who is any form of talent. She's just notorious because she says a lot of shit. I didn't even I had never thought it. I had actually never heard the Banks song, and I have this random playlist that I use for her to work out to, and one of her songs is on this girl's playlist. I didn't even know who it was. I checked it, and that was the day I was like, oh, this is the Banks Bank song. Like, I don't, I, all I know her for is saying shit. <laughs> That's it. I don't know her for anything else. They uh,
0: should, he she, didn't, he didn't he just—I think he just called her. He kind of called her a liar, which I guess goes to the point of like he didn't give her no dick. But she just like—it's just like she's that person. Like whenever her career's getting cold, she just jumps out of nowhere. Yeah. Honestly, people it's shouldn't when people even pay start attention.
1: forgetting about her.
0: People shouldn't even pay that bitch attention. Just let let her fall. Let her fall. Yeah, on but soul. you know
1: they will. You know they will. People like that kind of entertainment. I think it's funny.
0: Outside of that, yeah, there's. There's really nothing that happened this week. God mm. damn, COVID is boring as shit. The Michael Jordan documentary is done. COVID is boring as shit. There ain't nothing that happened. I'm really trying to think if something happened, something that's substantial to talk about. Like I see Nicki Minaj is beefing with people, and I'm kind of just like,
1: we're, like we're, we're
0: trying to we're trying to worry about black liberation, and we got this bitch beefing with other black people, and I'm not even I'm not even gonna bring it up. I don't want to entertain it, but there's nothing that happened outside. Of the race war that the American media is trying to provoke, mm-hmm. there's nothing that really happened outside of that. To be dead ass honest, I'm really trying to dig and think if there was something like nothing.
1: Um, well, you don't watch the TV show yet, so you heard about the writer from "This Is Us" who committed suicide, right?
0: I did hear about
1: that.
0: Yeah, I the black woman.
1: Yeah, it was really sad, actually. Just. Because it makes you think about the fact of the way that anyone who's watched This Is Us knows how traumatic. Like, that show is so sad. So well-written, though. And I sometimes, when I found out that she died, I thought to myself, because apparently she suffered from, like, anxiety and depression. She apparently had tweeted about that. Um, And thinking about it, when you think of the concept of the show This Is Us, I was like, I wonder how much of her own pain she wrote into this show.
0: Well, is she the head writer, or is she one of the writers?
1: She was one of the writers, but she's one of the main writers. Mm. So imagine how much of her own pain she put into the writing of that show. That was actually really sad. I was like, "That's really sad."
0: Because
1: sad she was, she was, she from from what people say about her, she was very talented. Like she was, she was very talented, and it's sad that she didn't have. It's just sad that that well, was the only way that she could
0: get out. Just, just to be a writer mm-hmm. and to be able to get picked up on a Hollywood show, you have to be extremely talented. So I can only, yeah. I can only imagine what she had to go. Then to be a female Black writer,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I can only imagine. Yeah. That's the only
1: thing I can think of that's like, that happened that I was
0: like, whoa. <laughs> God, nothing happened, eh?
1: Nothing like happened. It's like
0: sports channels and they're just still talking about Michael Jordan documentary that... Hasn't aired in two weeks. It's closed. Like really, nothing. I think today is the season finale of Insecure too. So that's gonna. It is
1: because right now it's trending on Twitter.
0: Yeah, so that's gonna be done. Damn, there ain't shit. We have a list of movies that we need to watch. Though we have movies dating back to like. I know. 2018 that we still haven't watched, and then we have all these (laughs) shows saved on Netflix. So I need to stop acting like I don't have shit to do. But there's nothing beyond that. Jesus. Nice. It's getting really bad. Shit.
1: Yeah, man. But also, I think everyone's going to be working from home for the foreseeable future at this point Yo,
0: because honestly, they're
1: asking man. for people to stay home at least till, like, the end of September. And I'm like, dude, just stay home till the end of the year. What's the point in going back to the office?
0: I'm going to be honest. I, I Honestly, I'm going to say this right now. I don't think they're going to find a cure for this. Forget about an epidemic or a pandemic. I feel like this is going to be an endemic now. I feel like it's going to be, like, AIDS. They're mm. never going to find a cure. Yeah. Uh I will. damn. I was listening to the <laughs> Breakfast Club and I heard um was Breakfast Club? No, it was Vlad, it was Vlad. I heard Vlad say this and I agree with him. I think it's gonna be an endemic where I think that it's just gonna become a part of society. I think going forward we're just all gonna have to get used to it and, and build you know, a
1: natural immunity to, to
0: it. You're just gonna have to watch what, what you do going forward. Like I, I think so- yeah. like they're trying to open society back up and they're saying it's mm-hmm. gonna be okay. I'll say this I don't think they're gonna find a cure. I think mm-hmm. what's gonna happen is they're gonna open society back up. Motherfuckers is gonna mm-hmm. die. Mm-hmm. And they're gonna close it back again. And they're gonna open it back up again. And people might die again. People might not die. But they're gonna keep doing it and mm-hmm. keep killing off people until it gets to the point where we all just build an immune system to it. And then it's just gonna be regulated and normal and it's gonna go away. Well, people say away. that
1: it's following the trajectory of the Spanish influenza. So they're saying because it's hit in 1918, went away came back, killed more people, and then disappeared and never came back. So they're saying that possibly, once everything reopens and we see people again, it'll come back, there'll be a secondary wave, more people will die, and then it'll either stick around and be in other people, or it'll disappear. So it's like a 50-50 split of what's actually gonna happen. Mm-hmm. I don't actually think there's gonna be a cure, I just think it's gonna be either people, it becomes a normal day of life, or it never comes back for like 100 years.
0: I just think going forward, I just think is just gonna be different, man. I'm never eating at a buffet again. I don't want nobody breathing over my food. I am never eating yeah, no more buffets, no more kids blowing on birthday cakes. Uh I don't know if the club life is really going to be pop anymore. And with that being said, music artists are going to have to find a new way to make money because the idea of concerts is going to go. The idea of the club life is not going to be, you know, I'm actually glad but I'm older.
1: I don't think it. so. I think that everyone is going to be like, okay guys, let's go back. Like, I actually think that I actually think that because I don't, even though life is going to be different, I don't think it's going to be that different. Cause I honestly think people are like, well, whatever, I'm going to party and I'm going to live. And if I die, then whatever,
0: Could be that. I genuinely actually. think that, you know, I'm actually happy. That I'm no longer in my young 20s or teens because I got to live my life and do those things. Can you yeah. imagine having to date in the future? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, you have to worry about STIs, AIDS, and COVID. Oh, my God. So not only do you have to, like, strap with a condom to protect you from STI and you AIDS. wear a face mask. But now you've got to, like, worry about COVID. Like, how the hell?
1: I know. Things are going to be different. It's funny. Things are going to be different, but I also think that they're also going to be slightly the same. I can see that. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, man. Yeah, it will be. It will be. Damn. Like I said, I'm going to link. I'm going to link Dave Chappelle's video. I'm going to link Hassan's. I'm also going to link that Jessica Mulroney article.
0: I don't have nothing left to talk about. This is bullshit. It's all right. No, but it's not. Like, there's sports channels that are still talking about. They're just reviewing old games.
1: They ain't got nothing else to
0: do. The WWE is the only the only outlet I see putting out new shit. Like, it's just because they're filming it in empty Studios. There's empty Arenas, I should say. It's just, damn. Honestly, it's going to come to a point. I know they said Hollywood might open back up. I know Tyler Perry Studios open, but I don't watch Tyler Perry films. But... It's going to come to a point where, like, there's not going to be anything new on
1: television. Oh, Wonder Woman got a new release date. Okay. Wonder Woman 84. It got a new release date. It's going to come out October, I believe. That movie that we saw the preview for that has Denzel's son in it, Tenant, that's also getting released later on this year as well. So the movies that we actually looking forward to, A Quiet Place is not scheduled till next year.
0: So as I was saying Place before, too. right, because I said the movie theater is not going to be a thing. So when these things get released, where's it getting released on? Is it Netflix? Is it every... No, it didn't
1: have... Didn't you hear? AMC is opening back up their their cinemas. So it's slowly happening. I think that they're just... You know what I think they're going to do? I think it's just going to be reduced seating. So I think that they're just going to block off seats. And you just can't buy tickets for that. And they're just going to have reduced capacity until things have a sense of... They may do reduced capacity. And I think they may make it mandatory for you to have a mask when you walk in. Obviously, you're gonna want to buy popcorn so you can take it off when you're in the cinema and stuff like that. But I think that they're just gonna do reduced capacity. Um,
0: I'm going to VIP. I'm going to the. VIP. Yeah, because
1: there's less people in the cinema to begin with. Not Extra really. money, but at least you know that the cinema doesn't have over what we've been at some movies where the, of the cinema holds what was it like, a, like a, not even a, was it like a close to 100 people. Like those, one? those
0: regular cinemas. Yeah, they have to hold over a hundred people. Yeah, but I'm
1: saying VIP like only holds like in a
0: row or 50. VIP I
1: think holds less than sixty people.
0: Yeah, yeah, VIP. Yeah,
1: VIP only. I think it only holds maybe like twenty-five people, not even sixty, because there's not that many seats.
0: But those regular cinemas, like, nah, they they have to hold. It's like it's like one of those theaters has to be at least at least eighty people.
1: Yeah.
0: But it. yeah, it's got. Yeah, be.
1: no, no, no. You're right. You're right. I think I think so. I've never actually checked to see how many seats. So whenever I see them, I'm like, "Yo, this theater's packed." So it's gonna be a very, very different life now. Like having a, and we love movies. No. Shit. But anyway, now we're just rambling.
0: <laughs> Honestly, hopefully, something happens next week that's worth uh, talking about. I'm gonna come on here with. Maybe
1: regardless. maybe we'll do a whole. Maybe we'll we'll talk about Insecure and do a whole recap on what we thought.
0: I'm going to say what I say right now. about Insecure. Before I get out of here. Oh, boy. Uh, I'm Team Lawrence. I've been Team Lawrence. Um, I love Lawrence. Issa doesn't deserve Lawrence.
1: No, she does not. And
0: Molly is a bitch. And that's it.
1: She has really great fashion, though.
0: Molly is entitled. She's a title bitch.
1: <laughs> I agree with you. I-, I love Lawrence. I don't think that Issa deserves him. I think that Molly has to work on her own insecurities that make her be so judgmental and ready to like jump for her to be able to like be a better person.
0: Molly wants everything to go her way. She's like a whiny ass bitch.
1: Right. That's what I'm saying. She has to work on that personal development so that she can be a better person. Like you can't, you can't just expect for the world to fall at your feet the way that you want it to. That's an expectation that is not only unrealistic. It also causes you to alienate and hurt other people who don't meet that
0: there's oh. a lot of people that do trust me there's a lot oh i know
1: i know people. oh no i know i'm just saying maybe if you watch instagram you might see yourself <laughs> i'm gonna
0: send it to um to the to the black executive at my workplace so she can watch molly and you know she won't even get it
1: all me. she's gonna say molly has cute shoes molly has great weaves.
0: great weave i'm done I'm done. I'm done i know what i'm done, I'm done. <laughs> out i'm out this is done
1: all right we'll see you guys in the next one (laughs) bye (laughs) guys